The message you're about to listen to is produced by CRIC Media. Father, you sent me to do this. I remind you of your word to me in 1995 and 1996. You said you've called me to raise a people who will do the works of Jesus. You told me the people will heal the sick, and stop deaf ears, loosen up tongues, raise the dead, and you said that you will teach me to do it, and I'll teach others to do what you've taught me. So, Father, I call you on record on your word today that grace to communicate these truths be expressed like never before. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Are you ready? Okay, let's begin Matthew 28. And then we'll dive into why God heals. I told you what we began last week. We'll continue this week. Hallelujah. All right. Matthew 28, verse 19. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. All right. On the 22nd of November 2002, the Lord spoke to me. He said, Take my healing power to the nations. All right. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It says, Make disciples of all the nations. All right. Who is a disciple? The word disciple here is the word mateteo. And it refers to, number one, a pupil. Number two, a student. Number three, to enroll as a scholar. Number four, a learner. Number five, an apprentice. Am I too fast? Okay, let's take it again. A disciple is one, a pupil. Two, a student. Three, to enroll as a scholar. Have you heard the term... Uh, I'm not of that school of thought. Have you heard it? All right. Now, those people who are of a school of thought are disciples of that um, leader of that school of thought. For instance, the word logos refers to a thought, for instance. It means word, but it's a thought. See? So, as a Christian, you belong to a school of thought, so to say. Are you understanding what I'm saying? All right. In fact, the Bahamas tells us in Philippians 2 verse 5, it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, that word mind refers to a mindset. That means a disciple of Christ has a mindset. Are we together? There's a way lawyers think. If I record themselves, my learned colleague. There's a way accountants think. 
They call themselves the noble profession. There's a way engineers think. There's a way Christians think. We think like Jesus. Are you out there? Okay, because he's our standard. So, I'm going to have that in your heart. Say, Jesus is my standard. Yeah, Jesus is your standard. It doesn't matter what is happening in that person's life. That person, I don't believe I can, a Christian can heal the sick. They don't say, no, no, no. It doesn't matter what they believe. Jesus is our standard. So, Jesus is my standard. It says, let his mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Which means we can think like Jesus. Give it to me in the message translation, please. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. See, you can think like Jesus. See, I can think like Jesus. As he is, so am I in this world. Yeah, you can think like Jesus. All right. We said a disciple is number one. We said a pupil, a student. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. He said, number one, a pupil, a student. Number three, to enroll as a scholar. Number four, a learner. Number five, an apprentice. A disciple is an apprentice. Every true disciple of Jesus is learning to live like Jesus. Every true disciple. If your desire is not to be like Jesus, you are living less than the true standard of Christianity. Hallelujah. Because Jesus is the model we are called to follow. He is a model we are called to follow. Hallelujah. In Mark 3, 13 to 15, it says, and he went up on the mountain and called to him those he, he himself wanted. And he came to him, number 14. Then he appointed 12 that he might be with him. A disciple is an apprentice. That he might be with him. That he might send him out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. So a disciple is an apprentice. Say, I'm an apprentice. Yeah. That's why we call him Master. An apprentice calls his boss what? Master. I'm serving my master. Have you heard him say it? Uh-huh. Did they call him master in the Bible? Huh? Is he your master? Say, Jesus is my master. Yeah, he's your master. We said a disciple is a pupil, a student, a general, a scholar, a learner, an apprentice. Six, one who subscribes to the thoughts and teachings of another. A disciple is someone who subscribes to the thoughts and teachings of another. That means a disciple doesn't necessarily think for himself. His boss has done all the thinking. The mechanic guy is learning his work from his master. And say, now somehow our guy teach me. See, his boss does the thinking. For us... This Bible, which is the word of God, has done all the thinking for us. Are you following me? All right. So, I think in line with the word of God. All right. Let me show you something. Luke 6, 39. 
Luke chapter 6, verse 39. Shall they say amen? All right, let's look at this. It says, and he spake a part, he spake, let me use the New King James, all right? Because we'll come to the Old King James later when I want to look at the word master. New King James, all right. All right, and he spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? Next. A disciple is not above his teacher. But everyone who is perfectly trained will be like what? His teacher. Everyone who is perfectly trained. I've taught you again and again. There's a difference between teaching and what? And training. You are taught to know. You are trained to do. You are taught to know. You are trained to do. When you're under a teacher, you know a lot. When you're under a trainer, you do a lot. The purpose of teaching is to transfer information. The purpose of training is the impartation of skills. The purpose of teaching is to transfer information. The purpose of training is the impartation of skills. Now let me show you something in Luke 1. I told you I'll come back here later. So just Luke 1. Go to Luke 1. And I want us to look at from verse 1. Inasmuch as they've taken in, in hand to set in order a narrative of those which have been fulfilled among us. Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things, from the very first to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, watch this, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you are instructed, that you may know. That's teaching. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, he says, Therefore, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Next. Teaching them. Now, this word is didasco. It's instruction. It carries the idea of a training. It says, teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you, and lo, and with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Are we together? The purpose of teaching is the transference of knowledge. The purpose of training is the acquisition of skills. The purpose of teaching is the transference of knowledge. The purpose of training is the acquisition of skills. Are you all there? Give me Matthew 28, 19, and 20, the message translation, please. It says, go out and train. Did you see that word? Everyone you meet, far and near, in this way of life. A culture is a way of life. So there's a church culture, the apostolic culture. Marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Next. 
It says, then instruct them. See that? In the practice. You are taught to know. You are trained to do. Then instruct in the practice of what I commanded you. I'll build you as to do this day after day after day. Right up to the end of the age. See? It says, teaching them in the New King James to observe whatever all things I've commanded you and learn with you always even to the end of the age. Amen. So we are supposed to be trained to do what the apostles did. Oh, apostle, I am not an apostle. You are trained to do what they did. Now let me show you Luke 9, 1 to 6. If I would look Luke 9, 1 and 2, then skip to 6, all right? So then he called his 12 disciples together. What did he call? What did he call? Now, these 12 disciples were the full-time apostles. All right? And gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Verse 2. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. The apostles. Verse 6. So the departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. The apostles were, were performing miracles. They were apostles. Now look at Luke 10 and let's look at verse 1. Luke 10 verse 1. It says, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also. Now these guys were not the 12. See, these are the lay ministers. And send them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Verse 2. Then he said to them, the harvest really is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray a lot of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So there are two kinds of laborers. They are full-time laborers and they are lay laborers. In other words, they got their job and they still get involved in ministry. Are we together? All right. Now let's look at verse 10. Verse 9. Verse 9. Okay, it says, and heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. What did he tell the apostles? In verse 2, Luke 9, 2. Preach the kingdom of God and say, and to heal the sick. Luke 10, 9. Heal the sick and say to, the, to them, the kingdom of God is near to you. So notice what he expected from the apostles, he expected from the disciples. Are we together? Okay. Now let me look at something in. We'll look at Mark chapter 9. Verse 38. Now John answered him saying, Teacher, we saw one who does not follow us casting out devils in your name. He was not an apostle. And we forbade him because he does not follow us. But Jesus said, Do not forbid him. For no one who works a miracle to my name can soon afterwards speak evil of me. So Jesus is saying, hey, you guys are the apostles. You work miracles, fine. But don't stop the others from also performing miracles. Did you see that? Luke 9, 49. Now John answered and said, Master, we saw one casting out demons in your name and we forbade him because they don't follow us. But Jesus said to him, do not forbid him, for he who is not against us is on our side. Did you see that? So, you can see that what the apostles did, we can do. 
Because he told them to instruct us in the practice. Say practice. Yeah. In the practice of whatever I commanded them. So whatever the apostles did, you can do, I can do, we can do. Thought I get an amen. Some people are not still sure. We can do, he can do, they can do, and not do. Hallelujah. Praise God. Are you ready? All right. Let's look at something very quickly. In Mark 16, 17 to 18. It says, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. Who is talking about? The new converts. They will speak with new tongues. Next. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. It's telling what you can do. Say, when I lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Yeah, you can do that. See, you and God are in partnership. God walks with your hands. Say, God walks with my hands. Sure he does. He walks with your hands. Hallelujah. All right. Having said that, let me show you somebody who was not an apostle. If I have two people in the book of Acts, that clearly they were not apostles, but performed miracles. In Acts chapter 6, and uh, I want us to read from verse 8. It says, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Was Stephen an apostle? What was he? Huh? A deacon. Deacons were ushers for sharing food. A deacon did great wonders. But notice two things said full of faith and what? And power. See, it showed you the secret. Build your faith. Stay of the power. Build your faith, stay of the power. The Holy Ghost is already in you. And Acts 1 8 says, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. If the Holy Spirit is in you, the power of God is in you. Thought I get an amen. If the Holy Spirit is in you, the power of God is in you. Are you all there? Philippians 2 13 says, For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, the God at work in you is not less God than a God at work in Paul. Because there's only one God. Hello? The God at work in you is not any less God than the God at work in Paul. Because there's one God. So it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And remember what we learned last week, God takes pleasure in healing. Can you remember? Hallelujah. Say, God is at work in me. Both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Yeah. When we say God is at work in you, we say God is energizing you. And that's what 
Paul recognized in Colossians 1 verse 29. Colossians 1 29. So to this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me. How? Mightily. Recognize the working of God inside of you. Say, God is at work in me. Mightily. God is at work in me. Mightily. Say, again, say God is at work in me. Mightily. One more time. God is at work in me. Mightily. You see, when you come to a point where you realize that God is at work in you, and the God in you is no less than a God in any other person, then your faith soars. There's only one God. Look at Acts 10. For let's begin Luke 4 verse 18. Luke 4 verse 18. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. All right. I just want to stop there. I want you to look at this. It said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. So, the anointing Is a spirit upon. Am I right? The anointing is the empowerment of the spirit. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. In other words, if I am not anointed, the spirit of the Lord will not be upon me. All right? Do you get a grammar? Okay. Now, that means when the spirit of God comes upon you, that is the anointing. Huh? Am I right? To preach the gospel to the poor? To hear the broken heart, to proclaim the back to the captives, the cup of sight to the blind, and set liberty to those, that are, those who are oppressed. Now, watch this in Acts 10 38. It says, Our God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. All right? Now, what does that tell you? It says, when you're anointed, you will have the Holy Spirit and what? And power. I'm going to say it again. When you're anointed, you have the Holy Spirit and what? And power. When you're anointed, you have the Holy Spirit and what? And power. When you're anointed, you have the Holy Spirit and what? And power. When you're anointed, you have the Holy Spirit and what? And power. It says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and he didn't all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Now, it tells me two, three things here. The anointing, the person, the power, and God was in the presence. Now, are you aware God is with you? Is God with you? Is, is God always with you? All right. It says God anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. Now, let's go to Acts 1.8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has what? Has come upon you. When did you receive the power? And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, what do you call that? What do you call that? What do you call that? The anointing. 
All right? Now, how many Holy Spirits are there? Are there two Holy Spirits? That means the Holy Spirit that came upon you and anointed you is the Holy Spirit God anointed Jesus with. Because it would be remiss of God to say, as he is, so are we in this world. If we don't have what he has, that makes him what he is. Are we together? So the same anointing on Jesus Christ is on me because I'm his body. The same anointing on Jesus Christ is on me because I'm his body. One more time, the same anointing on Jesus Christ is on me because I'm his body. Celebrate Jesus, please. Now, let's look at something else. All right? Let's, you know, you must prove all things with scripture. Let's look at Psalm 133, beginning from verse 1. It says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Next, verse 2. It says, It is like the precious oil upon the head. Who is the head of the body of Christ? Come on now, who is the head? Who is the head? Who is the body? We, we are the body, right? It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard. That's the leadership, the elders. The beard of Aaron running down to the edge of his garment. That means the same oil on the head gets to the feet. The same oil on the head gets to the feet. Are you aware that the same blood, if they check your blood, your head, what color would it be? On your feet, what color would it be? So the same anointing on the head is on you. Now you know why he said the works that I do shall you do also. Is this helping anybody today? Alright, now let's look at something in Ephesians 1 verse 22 to 23. We need to prove all things with scripture. It says he has put all things under his feet. How many things did he put under his feet? How many things did he put under his feet? Okay. And gave him to be the head of all things of the church. Now, if he's the head and we are the body and all things are under his feet, it means whatever is under him, give it to me, it's under us. Which is his body? The fullness of him who feels what? All how? In all. So whatever filled him has filled us. We are trying to let scripture explain itself. In Colossians 1.19, the Bible says it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. It pleased the Father that in him, all the pleroma, everything God contains, is in Jesus. Everything. Say everything. Say it again. Say everything. Now, everything God contains is in Christ. And Christ is in you. Colossians 2, 9 to 10. For in him all the fullness of the God dwells all the fullness of the God at bodily, verse 10. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Now go to Amplified 9 and 10. Amplified. 
For in him, the whole fullness of deity, the Godhead, continues to dwell in bodily form, giving complete expression of the divine nature. Verse 10. And you are in him, made full. Made full. Say I'm full. You're full of what? Whatever it's full of. Made full, having come to what? Fullness of life. In Christ. You too are filled with what? With the Godhead. With who? Father. With who? Son. And with who? And the Holy Spirit. And rich what? Full spiritual stature. Say, God is at work in me. The anointing on Jesus is on me because I'm his body. The anointing on Jesus is on me because I'm his body. God is at work in me. God lives in me 24-7, night and day, day and night, year in, year out. God is in me. His power is in me. His ability is in me. His anointing is in me. Say amen. amen. Celebrate Jesus, please. Is this stirring your faith already? Because you need to know what you have. The same anointing, the same power in him is also in you. Think about that. When you show up, solution has come. There's a brother in church, his name is Solution. I hope he knows what that name means. Solution. When you show up, Solution has shown up. Because whatever is in him, is where? It's in you. Think about that. Let's look at John 14 verse 12. Are you being trained? Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, what did he say? Did he hear what he said? The works that I do, what did he say? He will do also. The works that I do, he will do also. Not less. The works that I do, he will do also. I said, you are taught to know, you are trained to what? To do. And greater works than this, he will do because I go to my father. Say, according to the word of God, I can do the same works that Jesus did. Because the same God who was with Jesus is with me. The same Holy Spirit on Jesus is on me. Say amen. You need to have that mentality. So you need to have the mindset because when you realize some of these things we're going to be teaching these seven days there's a mentality you're going to have and you realize boy I can heal the sick I can raise the dead in the name of Jesus you see that alright now I want to show you a few thoughts that will also help you John 17 verse 18 As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. No, Jesus said he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Can you remember Luke 4, 18? 
So as you sent me to the world, I also have sent him to the world. So whatever he was sent to do, give it to me, we are sent to do. Are we together? Give it to me in the message translation, please. In the same way you gave me a mission in the world, I give them what? A mission in the world. In the same way. So the mission of Jesus is our mission. It came to seek and save the lost. Luke 19.10. That's our mission too. To seek and save the lost. John 20 verse 21. 